This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. When you hear the word focus, what comes to mind? Is it the ability to see clearly? Maybe you think of the ability to pay particular attention to the task at hand, possibly the Ariana Grande song from 2015. Well, it's definitely not that last one. Wait, what are we talking about again? Oh yeah, welcome to episode 128, Focus. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we are talking about focus and all that entails, or at least as much as we can work through in the next 45 minutes. Andrew and I are always on the lookout for topics for discussion. And there's a certain bandwidth that our topics need to have so that we, without a team of researchers and editors propping us up, can effectively discuss these topics and bring our own experiences to the conversation. Of course, we do research to help inform these conversations, but we also need to have an interest in that topic that makes us want to discuss it in the first place. So a few days ago, Andrew and I are texting each other. And the subject of the next podcast topic came up and Andrew suggested focused or staying focused as a topic. Let me read the exact text that Andrew sent me. He writes, I've been thinking about staying focused or something as a topic to talk about focusing on work in ways, tasks, projects, people, etc. You know, a discussion about how attention is very short these days and how it is critical to be able to focus on things. And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds like a reasonable Like, we're all dealing with that. I deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody does. Everybody deals with it. And I'm sure it's the sort of topic that all of us have the ability to, I don't know, turn the lens back on ourselves and acknowledge that there are times when we're great at being focused and there's times when we're terrible at being focused. Before we get into the fruit of having focus, like, you know, how it works, benefits of having focus, which should be self-explanatory, quite honestly. But maybe we should cover some of the things that work against us. So in our episode on focus, we're going to start with the distractions, the counter-focus items. So think of this as a focus versus distraction bit. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So you told me before we hit the record button that part of what's prompted this conversation is you're reading a book on focus. I should say I bought it sometime in the spring and I'm just not getting around to reading it. So maybe I'm not so focused on it. Right. But (laughs) it's a book called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. I'm just getting into it. But, you know, it talks about this notion of how just as a society, our attention spans are getting smaller and smaller. And there are things that we like to blame it on, but there are probably other causes as well. And I haven't gotten into it enough, but he's got some idea that it's there's 12 or 13 different things that are limiting our focus and that it's not necessarily just technology that's causing these problems, but it's a a bigger societal thing that's bringing us into less and less focus and less ability to pay attention. So I don't know. I'm still working on it. So we'll see how it ends up and whether or not I agree with it after I finish all 12 reasons. But If, if you finish it. <laughs> no, I'll finish. I'll finish for sure. It, we'll see if I agree with him in the end of it. So it's something that, again, piqued my attention and The reason for that right now is that I'm on break. I'm on quote-unquote summer break from teaching, which means I don't have anything to do, really. (laughs) 
I mean, I have a lot of things to do, but. And you have to say that last part. So I go, hey, man, can you get this done? You're like, I'm so busy. Man, I'm like, no, I, you're not. You said you weren't busy. I know. I'm not, but I am. I don't have any set things. I have a lot of things that I want to get done and a lot of things that I'm trying to do. But being able to stay focused on a singular thing is difficult because I don't have a specific, well, I've got to have this done by this time. For a lot of things, there are some things that have popped up that I've got to get done and do this. But also, I, was, I guess it was Tuesday this week or something. I got up and took my daughter. She has a workout in the morning and then took her to that. And that's like an hour and a half. So by the time I take her and come back, I've got maybe an hour. And then I got to go pick her up. And then that day I had to take her somewhere else and an hour after that. And then I had to take her somewhere else like two hours after that. And then I had to go to a meeting or an hour after that. And then once I got on that meeting, I had to go and take her to another thing at seven in the evening. So it was like I had a whole day where it was just I had these small chunks, very small chunks of time. And I got really aggravated about it. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. when I sent you that thing. I was like, I don't have any time to do anything because I'm just bouncing from thing to thing to thing. And I can't focus in even in the time period where I am at home. I can't just drop everything and focus on. I got an hour. I got to do this for an hour. Yeah, there's the mental capital that you're spending just to ramp up to do X and ramp back down. By the time you ramp down to settle in to do something else, you got to start ramping back up for the next little yeah. task or chore that you've got to do. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And then it may have been around the time I sent that text. That's the reason. There's a lot of interest in that for me right now. Well, you know, let me throw this out at you because I obviously I have a, a typical job, right? So... I check in at a certain time, I check out at a certain time. But one of the things I thought in this, somebody looked at me, they're like, what's wrong with you? I mean, I get that a lot, honestly. But so I get to the office pretty early. Part of it's because I don't sleep well. I mean, I say yeah. that every show it seems like now, but I just don't. I sleep like five hours a night. I want to sleep like 20. I just don't. And some people have like these routines. So I work with this woman. She's like, I wake up, I play with my cat a little while. I drink my coffee, I sit in the room where the sun is coming in, you know, and, and she has this whole kind of very... Ease into the day kind of thing. Peaceful easing in. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm waking up and I'm like, okay, yeah, how fast can I get out? I mean, let's get out You're of like here. You're like 100 miles an hour. Let's go. Know. I'm aware. Yeah. I'm aware. So part of the reason I just get up and go to the office right away is because the traffic, it gets worse, obviously, the later I go. Sure, sure. So I'm like, I'll go early. Because that's one of the things that elevates my blood pressure very quick. Like, I have very little patience for people. Like, I go, speed limit's not 40 on the highway, bro. Like, can you <laughs> take the surface streets? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, or, I mean, what Get over that right lane. Don't yes, do that. come yeah, on. I know. Or they just don't want to drive behind someone. They're going the same speed as someone else, but they just don't want to be behind them. So they move over and still go the same. Like, that kind of stuff just drives me mm -hmm. crazy. I can't tell you the number of times I go, you know. Really wish that I could just ram my car into people and not get in trouble for it. Like, that's a fantasy of mine. I've never done it, people. Settle down. I'm not really a psychopath the way this sounds. Anyway, so I get in the office pretty early. And I do that because I don't want to be in a bad mood when I get there, so I don't have to deal with traffic. But nobody's there yet for the most part. It's quiet. Things are settled. Yeah. And yeah. what happens is you're describing your day that one day was like an hour up, hour off, hour on, hour off, hour on, hour. It's like that. I have one of these Fitbit things, monitors all kinds of interesting health stuff because I'm kind of a data guy. And it tells me how many steps I do and all that kind of stuff. So I was talking with some people in my office and they're like, oh, I got to get my steps in. And I'm like, okay, well, what kind of numbers are you getting? And they're like, ooh, I got 4,800 steps today. I go, what? I had that by like eight o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So we pulled up the app that's on my phone, 
tell me this is not crazy, all right? These are the last four weeks that I've had. Last four weeks. 105,844 steps. 107,476 steps. 102,796 steps. 101,700. That's over 50 miles a week. Mm. And what that means is once people start showing up in my office, I'm like up to go deal with that and then back to my desk. And then up to go deal with that and then back to my desk. And it's just, and now we got a bigger office and I'm just working out laps like crazy. Walking even further. Yeah. I don't sit at my desk for a couple of hours at a run. Never do. I mean, someone comes over and says, can you do this? Can you help me with that? Well, can you come take a look at this? So that capital that I spend, this is the talking about staying focused. I brought all that up as a comparison or at least an, an acknowledgement that you saying, hey, that kind of brain capital that you, you lose by doing these chores at weird increments all day long that stops you from settling in and focusing on what something, like getting a block of time that allows you to drill down and focus on something. Yeah. That's my whole day. I guess re- I come home at the end of the day and go, I feel like I didn't get anything done. But all I did was 53 minute exercises. That's what I've done. And I remember that from when I was around the office and we had 10, 12 people and I was, it's air quote, supervising all of them that I didn't sit at my desk very often. And it was always answering questions, answering questions, helping this. What about this? What about this? And I mean, that was the reason why I would either stay after late so that I could actually get stuff done that I needed to do. Or I'd come home and I'd feel like, man, I didn't do anything today. My list of stuff I needed to get done today did not get checked off at all. Or I might've gotten one thing done. Now there's tomorrow plus tomorrow. Yes. So, yeah, that's true. So that that's something that evolves. I didn't have that issue. I had different things that contributed to my distraction when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And that may have presented hurdles for me maintaining focus. But it's nothing like it is now. Timesheet's a good way of looking at this. People will look at their timesheets and go, all right, well, I worked on this job today. Eight hours, pow, or nine hours, ten hours, whatever it is. One thing. Yeah. I'm like, I got like 15 different categories. So this is general office. This is business development. This was promotional. This was more group design meetings. This was the office meeting. This was on these project, on that project. Fill out my timesheet. such a drag. I use Outlook yeah. for it because <laughs> I can't remember what I did. If I don't put it in my calendar that this is what's going on, I have no shot at being able to add up the five-minute tasks into an increment of time that makes any sense on a timesheet. Yeah. yeah, you end up doing that turny thing where it's just, it's 15-minute chunks. I may not work on it for 15 minutes, but it's a 15-minute chunk because I can't say, well, I did this, in this one hour, I worked on 20 different tasks for five yeah. minutes. It's like, I got to go. Yeah. I said 15 on this one and 15 on that one and 15 on that one. And yes. Yeah. Okay, so if we if we drop it down and I just, as I'm doing my laps around the office and I look at things that cause distractions for other folks, the thing that jumps out me at the most and and I go, you know, so this is a relatively new thing, and we've yet to come to understand any sort of long-term impact of its existing, but it's handheld technology, like our smartphones. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll, as a slight departure, when do you think we're going to start calling them phones? Like, all the things they do, phone calls is like one of the fewest things I use my phone Oh, for. when are we going to stop calling them phones? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, ooh, the new iPhone is out. And I go... Literally, of the 100% of time spent on my phone, 
probably less than a percent is actually using it as a, a phone. phone. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I don't know. Right. It is kind of funny. But that seems to be the thing that causes the most distractions. Like me just casually walking around, wondering, like just being observant, you know, as one does when they walk around through the office, you see people doing stuff. The number of times I see people just on their phone is constant. I don't mean that in an ugly, negative way. They might be responding to an email or a text message that a client sent through. I'm not saying they're wasting time, but I'm saying since we've already introduced the idea of getting out of your headspace a little bit, like this ramp up, ramp down, this mental capital that you spend to pivot or change Mm -hmm. and go from one thing to the next, that mobile device is the biggest disruptor to you finding kind of a quiet place to focus on something for a chunk of time it's it's right there yeah i read a bunch of stuff in the some of the research that i was doing about that and there was a i was at some university and they did a a little research study where they took these people's phones and it was like 25 people or something they hooked them up to all these monitors and stuff and then they took their phones away but they didn't tell them what they were going to do and so <laughs> they put their phones just out of reach or something in a box somewhere. I don't know. They just started pinging their phones like crazy. Yeah. Right? So all those people knew that their phones were going off and that it was causing them all this anxiety. They had to get to their phone. They need, Every time it went off, their anxiety levels spiked because it was, what am I missing? What am I missing? What am I missing? Yes. And I, that was an interesting thing. that When I was reading the article, they were like, this people were joking about it. It was the cruelest test ever because they, <laughs> they were like torturing these people because it wasn't really anything important. They were just dinging the phone to get the reaction out of them. And that they didn't tell the participants that's what they were doing. Sure, but they don't yeah. know that it's not important. Like if yeah. my phone started blowing up right now, yeah, it'd, make, it'd give me anxiety because I'd go, something's up. Like, Yeah, it's just that's the strange phenomenon of how these things affect us. It's not like when my home phone rings, I go, oh, crap, something's going on. You know? I'm like, you have a home phone? I'm like, why is somebody calling my home phone? <laughs> but you have a home phone. That's really, yeah. that's the takeaway of all this is Andrew yes, has is. a home phone. Well, I've had it for 30 years. I know. I know. At what point do you stop paying for a home phone? Cause I don't know, because it's 10 If bucks anybody calls you, if that home phone rings, you know it's nobody you know. I know, yeah. They're not calling, no one knows you's going to call that line. I know, but that's the number I still use to give to people I don't want to have my phone, <laughs> you know? What, do you have an answering machine on it? I don't know, maybe. I mean, can you get a phone without an answering machine? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I know, Andrew. So. I haven't owned a phone in a very long time that mm, plugs well. into the wall of my house. Yeah, well, I'm old right? school. Man, that is old school. Okay, here's one of the other things about smartphones and all that kind of good stuff. It's not just the productivity items. It's texting it's instagram it's notifications and i'll tell you and this is a section towards the end when we actually talk about like well here's things that you can do to improve your focus like what are some behavioral changes that can that can help you pivot from where you're at right now to someplace that might be more beneficial to how you're allocating your time almost every list that i read and i read a lot there were clearly good lists and bad lists but the ones that I go, all right, there's, some, there's something to this. There's something to this. One of the things that showed up the most often was turning the alerts off on your phone. Mm-hmm. I saw that as a recommendation uh, like seven times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I read yeah. like 10 lists or something like that. But it came up very frequently. And I don't know if 
you, Andrew, have noticed this, or if the people that are listening have noticed this, but I have been limiting my cell phone distraction, my use of my cell phone, for the last couple of years. It has been a reduction, kind of a measured and purposeful reduction, because, I don't know, four or five years ago, it was constant. I was constantly on my phone. And that's when I was posting more on Instagram, and I'm responding to people's comments, like, the second they come in, like, all this kind of stuff. Like, how how can I be of service? How can I help people? They have a question, they're going to ask it, I'm going to answer it right away. I just don't have that bandwidth anymore. And I'm not so sure. I think a big part of that happened when I moved from my last job with low double-digit or high single-digit employees to a firm with 110. I'm just a lot busier now doing stuff than I ever was when I worked at a smaller firm. And I'm not saying that people in small firms aren't busy. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying I'd spend time doing stuff that I never had to do at a small firm. So in addition to the work, now I'm managing people. Like I got to do check-ins with people. I got to help develop performance improvement plans. I got to mentorship meetings, visioning goals, talent retention. I mean, I do a lot of stuff now that I never had to do before. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a smaller firm. You're more focused on the work and it's less people. So even if you were in charge of somebody, it might have been two or three people, not 20 or 30. Yeah. That makes it seem different. I wouldn't say that you were less busy. It just you were able to concentrate more on less tasks, probably. Yeah, thank you. That's more. There's more clarification to the way you put that than yeah, what I said. Yeah. But one of the things I would say about that, this phone thing or any distraction for that matter, I read in some of my research that when you stop doing something and you get distracted, whether it's by your phone or some other thing, Like if you're in a task and you get distracted, that typically it takes you up to 20 to 25 minutes to get back into the same level of focus that you were when you got distracted, which I thought was an interesting statistic that I saw. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I saw it a couple of times. And so I assume there may be some truth to that, but it takes you a while to get back to being really focused. So if you're looking at your phone or you're doing something and then you look at your phone, this idea of multitasking is not really true because you can't really stay that strictly focused on that many things. It takes a while to get back into it. Yes. Well, this is not that different from what our buddy Eric Reinhold said in that, I was like, I don't know, episode 40-something? 54. I'm making it up. Yeah, but he talks about, well, in the morning, this is my creative maker time, and, Mm -hmm. and I don't look at email, and I don't answer phone calls, and I don't do this, and I don't do that. Then he finally breaks for lunch, and I go for a... A walk, which is funny because that's one of the things that's on the list. My initial reaction was, who gets to go for a walk? Just like if you're <laughs> distracted. Yeah. I know. I'm going to go for a walk right now. That's, no. How does that work? Yeah. Then I went, that's what Eric does in the middle of the day. He's like, oh, I'm going to go grab a sandwich and go for a walk and sit in a rock in the woods for a little while. Yeah. And then he comes back and does drawings and answers emails and takes phone calls and sets up meetings. That's something he's been advocating for years. And I... I called BS on it then. I kind of call BS on it now. I go, not many people can structure their lives in that capacity. Yeah. I know that I can't. I don't have dominion over my calendar the way that that guy does sure. as a single person in his own shop. I don't get to call my own meetings. Yeah. Another one of the things I saw talking about distractions was actually just email in the office. And this is something that I did and I kind of still do back when I was working all the time. I wouldn't check email constantly. I would check it in the morning and I would check it after lunch. And that's it because it's a huge distraction and time suck to get pulled away from stuff. 
there were sometimes people got a little angry about it, but there was never anything that was just life threatening. That if I if it waited three hours, something was gonna the world was gonna collapse. Right. I found some stats, and it was interesting because it ranged kind of all over the place. But the most common one I found was that an average office person checks their email about 11, 12 times an hour. I saw one that said something like 30, and I was like, there's no way somebody's checking their email 30 times an hour, or they're not doing anything else, but 11 or 12 times an hour that they're yeah, checking their email. I've seen those numbers like that. Yeah, I've seen numbers like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I got to, like I say, when I was running the business, I got to the point where I couldn't do that because I wasn't getting anything done, but answering emails all day. It felt like that's all I was doing. And so I had to look at it when I first got into the office in the morning, and then I would look at it after lunch, and that would be about it take whatever time I needed to deal with those things, but it just gets too, too distracting. And it again, breaks up your focus a lot, which my opinion, I guess was despite what my clients might think and what the contractors might think and what everybody might think the whole project's not going to fall apart in the two or three hours between the times I'm checking emails and, and giving them an answer. Well, let me confess something here. So on your phone, you have this too. You can go under general settings and under that you can see screen time and then right below that it'll say see all activity and it'll tell you like what's your daily average on your phone what's your daily average oh, i don't know it's usually about three hours somewhere in that range yeah you got to look it up we're just full disclosure to the people listening right. so i'm three hours 49 minutes that's what my daily average is and my total screen time last week which this is a little high for me to be honest with you because we were at the convention so there was lots of sitting around in the evenings or whatever killing time waiting for somebody to show up stuff i spent the vast majority of my time on text messages and then email that represented about 80 percent of all my time i don't play a lot of games on my phone so that's not one of the appeals yeah so what's your number what's your time Ooh, my daily average is four hours and twenty eight minutes right now, which is actually pretty high. But that's but that's from last week also. Okay, here's what I want to get to. Click on see all activity. See that? Yeah. All right. So when you click on see all activity, it shows like your daily yep. how much you spend on games and social and productivity and finance. Yep. Keep scrolling down and it says show categories, but then it has pickups down at the bottom. Yes. What's your daily average for pickups? Twelve. 12 pickups, mm -hmm. 119 for me. So I set my phone down, and this is more of an indication of how I move around my office. Uh, not just today, something weird, because it, it shows me I'm having none this whole week. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll show you most the day with the most pickup and the total pickups for the week. You can swipe that chart, you can swipe it to the left, and it'll show you last week. Okay, well, last week, my total pickups were 79. The average, your daily average was 79. No, the total. For the week? Yep. I mean, you must sleep a lot. That must be what it is. I just don't pick it up. Because I'm at home, there are times where I'll forget where the hell I put my phone for, like, hours. Yeah, that's odd. I mean, I guess that, that's certainly an indication of, I guess, the differences. Like, my total pickup last week, 830. The week before that? 1,157 pickups. And the top two things, always the top two things are Teams. And this says like first used after pickup. Yeah. It's Teams 
and then messages like text messages yeah mine is mostly messages if i go back i was scrolling back when i'm in in school if it's about the most i see right now on any given day is 150 yeah all right scroll all the way down to the bottom yeah and you'll have notifications yeah last week's average was 102 Last week was bad because I was out of the office, so people knew the only way to get a hold of me was to text me or go through Teams. Last week, I had 44 notifications from Uber. (laughs) Yeah, that works. Most of mine are in the high 100s. I've got some 250s and some 260s. Well, to our point, the phone is a distraction. For sure. I mean, it's a tool for work, but it. Yeah. you're clearly doing better at it than I am in your ability to set it down and walk away for hours at a time. And that's frustrating to you at times, though, isn't it? Because I don't respond in a timely manner to text messages and things. I know you've gotten mad about that before. <laughs> I mean, not mad, but like, where are you at? <laughs> well, I don't ever think it's because you set your phone down and you're across the room. I go, he's, he's asleep. Because <laughs> I message you in the mornings, typically. Right? My bandwidth for doing stuff before I oh. like, when I get into the yeah. office, then I get into office mode. Sure. So if I reach out to you, it's either in the morning or it's like towards the end of the workday. And when you're teaching, I know that you're not on your phone for eight hours. Yeah. Like, I know I'm not going to get a hold of you for hours, that kind of thing. And again, that's probably part of it, though. The way that my job works, I don't really have an opportunity to pick up my phone for huge chunks of my day when I'm teaching. I'm not picking up my phone. So that decreases my phone usage time by eight hours because I'm not picking it up during class. Yeah, because you shouldn't. Unlike my students, but you know... <laughs> Right. Well, in the course of my job, people expect me to be available. So so I could be in my office, but on the other side of the floor, people are asking questions and they don't see me at my desk. So they'll just message me. Yeah. And I'll be in a meeting and I might respond and go, here, here's the answer to that question. But again, it's that brain capital that you spend doing two things at once and it kind of takes you out of one headspace and puts you in another one temporarily. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a reset that you have to go through, which is probably counterproductive. Yeah. And it takes time. All right, so one of the things that I put on here that I came across, and I think it's probably worth talking about a little bit, because I know there are a lot of people in my office, and I've worked with a lot of people over the years in this industry. And by industry, I don't mean AEC. I mean architects. A lot of them have some form of ADD or ADHD. And there's a lot of articles online that discuss the connection between ADHD when it comes to focus and the lack thereof. I've been diagnosed with ADHD on several occasions, both professionally and by random people who spend time in my company. (laughs) (laughs) And I will tell you that it contributes significantly to my inability to focus at times. Now, as I've gotten older, there are techniques that I put into place to help me deal with that. I used to take medicine for it, and I had to stop because I didn't like who that turned me into. If you think I'm intense now, I mean, imagine all my energies being focused on a single thing. It's too much. Mm. And it made me angry, you know, and I I became even more displeased (laughs) with things than I can handle than I do now. Even more crotchety. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I had came to this conclusion. I was driving down the road and I was like, I'm going to kill myself or somebody else if I continue to take this medicine that focuses all my energy into the task at hand. Yeah. Either I just, I'm not used to it or I never learned how to deal with it. So moving around is part of the way I deal with that, to be honest Mm. with you. So I've read a lot of books on the subject and I have a bunch of books and I went and looked up some information 
specific to the connectivity or the connection between ADHD and people that are in a creative field. And pretty much unilaterally, there is no evidence to support the assumption that creative people are more likely to have ADHD or people with that affliction are, they trend towards creative vocations. There's not a direct link between the two. However, a lot of the same qualities that people with ADHD have, for example, it's hard for them to follow directions sometimes. That same inability may promote creative thinking because that impulsivity may lead to more original ideas. So there's ways that you can benefit from having this in a creative field, but because you may have it doesn't, or you don't have a predilection towards being in a creative field, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I can understand what you're trying to say. (laughs) Okay, what about this? Because people with ADHD frequently lack inner inhibition, they have trouble holding back on what they want to say. Yeah. Right? I mean, this You listen to this podcast, how many times in my life have I had, I've had struggles with this? And guess what? It's caused problems for me to be certain. But it's also puts me in a position where I'm less likely to have an inner critic that silences the flow of ideas. Like, I don't have a problem throwing something out there as an idea for fear that it's a bad idea or stupid. I go, it's process. That's just what it is. Mm -hmm. So the thing that's bad, you just putting out your ideas all the time, like a lot of times they're like, Shut up. You know, just, you know, just, you don't have a, that thing that stops you from saying things that you shouldn't say. Yeah. But it also doesn't stop you from putting ideas out there for consideration, that sort of thing. That makes sense. And also, there was a note, and this one was specific to kids, but I don't think it's actually, I don't think it has to be specific to kids. The, the comment was directed towards children, and it had to do with external influences. Like people with ADHD have they struggle or have a hard time tuning out external influences on them and their surroundings, which is something like I need a clean workspace. Like I can't work in a dirty room. Like if if there's stuff all over the place, I will get up and I will clean before I can sit down and work. Like that's just part of what it is. And it's a manifestation that's existed my whole life. And it's not uncommon for people who have what I have, but those same people might find that, those same external influences, which are a problem in some circumstances, also because they notice them, they might realize they come together in interesting ways. So when you start thinking this thing here and this thing over there, they're distracting you, but because you notice them, because they're in your periphery and you're observing them in such a way, you're able to see how they might come together and do things that could be interesting. And that's something that happens in creative industries all the time. Mm. Like taking two different things and seeing how they mash together. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence to support this. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Again, there are benefits. I shouldn't say benefits to it, but yes, there are things and ways that can help you if you can control it or have domain over it. I think it's funny. For me, the cleaning thing is always a procrastination because I'll do the same thing, but it gets labeled as me procrastinating from doing the work that I'm actually supposed to be doing. Well, like, okay, let me ask you this. I make the bed every morning. Mm -hmm. Do you? Are you a bed maker? No, not every morning. I don't make it, make it. I'll tidy it up, but I don't completely remake it. I'll pull the sheets back up and get the pillows in order, but I'm not tucking and doing all that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm like military corners, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think my mom's going to walk in at any yeah. moment to evaluate the quality of the work. Mm-hmm. Right? There's just, 
That's just what it is. Yeah. I don't leave dirty dishes sitting out. I'm not a put dirty dishes in the sink person. I rinse them out, put them in the dish. Like there's certain things that you just do. There's kind of an organizational flow that exists because my bandwidth kind of starts buzzing. Yeah. If things aren't, aren't a certain way. Yeah. I gotcha. Anyway, so that's something that comes up a lot as a distraction. People with ADHD have all these things that are constantly kind of coming at them. And what's interesting about that is while we're not necessarily more likely, people with ADHD aren't more likely to become architects or be in this profession, but it does seem like there's a lot of people with it. Mm. But people my age, now people just get medicine. They're like, oh, just take pills. Yeah. ADHD wasn't even a thing when I was a child. I mean, I have all these reports because my mom was a school teacher. So every summer, all her teacher friends, they would be trying to get like diagnostician certificates and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I've probably taken a hundred proctored IQ tests in my life because one a week from all these different teachers going through this process, all these teachers' children were guinea pigs for them to practice and get their time in to support this kind of vocational growth that they were trying to go through. And there's all these things like you need to tap Bob on the shoulder to get his attention if you're giving him instructions. I have reports that are written like this is things that need to happen in order for him to do what he's supposed to do. Because if you just say it, it might not go where it needs to go. So you just like, you got to <laughs> grab him by the shoulders and <laughs> look him in the eyes. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. You know, my daughter has it and they have things like wrap a bungee cord around the legs of a chair so they can jiggle in a way. And that movement helps tune down certain stimulus that are in their environment that allows them to focus better. Yeah. Gives one part of their brain a mindless task so that they can focus on things that require more attention. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how that the science of this has kind of evolved since I was interested. They're like, just shake it, shake him. <laughs> it was, was the advice that most of the, <laughs> that's what it said. Just stand in front of him and rattle him around a bit. I know. You know, it's an issue. And I know that's part of the reason why I walk as much as I do now. We don't have phones on our desks anymore. Oh, yeah. Like, if you want to call me, it's all voice over IP, and it gets routed to our cell phones. If someone leaves me a message, it's on my computer. Mm -hmm. This is in the last year, all that stuff went away. And so if somebody wanted to talk to somebody, you might go, oh, Andrew's at extension 1045. Yeah. And so people would pick up their phone, they'd punch in your extension and talk to you on the phone. I was like, well, he's just sitting eight deaths over there. I'll just walk over there and have that conversation. That's how I would deal with it. Mm -hmm. But that's not how a lot of people don't do that. So, well, also a lot of people don't like that, but you know, I mean, they don't like people walking over their desk to have a conversation. Yeah. My people love when I walk over to their desk. <laughs> I'm sure that they do. I'm sure that they do. We're talking about distractions and interruptions in the workflow. Bob is a distraction and an interruption in workflow when he walks over to your desk because he's just walking around the office. Yeah, I'm not just walking around the office, but yes, there's some truth to that for sure. Another one of the things that like, I don't know if you came across it, but I came across it a lot when I was doing the research was this. Our average attention span is eight seconds as a human being. Have you seen that? Did you see that when you were coming across stuff? I did not. I've heard that before, but I haven't seen it in what I looked up for today's show. Ah, okay. So I looked up attention span stuff and focus. And so now there's a lot of information that in the year 2000, it was 12 seconds. Now it's eight seconds. And so there's all this stuff that says our attention span is less than a goldfish because a goldfish has a nine second memory. But the thing about it, I dug into it a little bit. That's actually not true. 
Because the way they measured that was how long somebody would stay on a website. That's like your attention span on a screen is eight seconds. Mm. And so that becomes propagated around because I found it in some research stuff. And then I found it a bunch of times in these marketing, online marketing things where it's talking about, well, how do you grab people in eight seconds and da, 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 da. And so it's not, it's not actually our human attention span. It's our attention span in the digital era, which is a completely different thing. The other thing that I thought was really interesting with regard to that was that the reason that TED Talks are the length that they are, like less than 20 minutes, is because they're based on some research that an audience, an average adult's attention span was 15 to 20 minutes or 15 to 19 minutes or something like that. And so when they started those TED Talks, like real TED Talks, they'll tell you, you can't speak for more than 18 minutes. That is the top. That is it. that You can speak for a TED Talk. And that's because it was based on some research about that's how long someone is willing to sit and listen to something, but also for the maximum time that they can really focus on one particular topic at a time. I thought that was an interesting, an interesting stat fact, I guess, a little tidbit about how come TED Talks are the way that they are, but they're based on actual research behind what our attention span is yeah. when we're sitting in an audience and watching something, which I thought was pretty wild. So what you're telling me is now that we're like 40 minutes into this episode, nobody's nobody's, listening. nobody's paying attention yeah, no, exactly. anymore? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was interesting. In all the ways I found that they were measuring focus, none of them were really... It's not an exact science because one was based on websites, the other was based on sitting to watch and learn something, to watch someone speak. I didn't see any that said, well, how long can somebody actually read a book or how long can somebody do this or that? There was a, a wide range of the way that it gets measured. But this notion of the eight seconds was funny to me because I also found some stuff on kids and it says attention span by age. And by the time they get to 16, they've got a 50 minute attention span, which is completely different than <laughs> some other research that I saw. So it seems like it's kind of a crapshoot for what it is. I also found some stuff that said, there are people who forget their own birthday and teenagers that forget 30% of their important information, like their name and their address and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with these people. <laughs> uh, that is odd. Yeah, it was weird. Really weird. Well, okay. So one of the articles I found, and it, it so far it's been my best. It's the one that I like the most. I go, wow, there's a lot here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is this? I started digging into it. Yeah. It's actually a, a service. And there's enough to where... Like I'm not advocating that everybody use it. I just found it, but I'm yeah I'm so intrigued by it. I think I'm going to give it a go. That's a thing called Clockify. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. I think I have. Yeah, yeah. So it's Clockify.me. It's the website, and they actually have an article that's about maintaining focus. And this is one of these things that they've got a lot of data because their whole app is built around understanding what you do, when you do it, how much time do you spend doing it, mm -hmm. scheduling time for doing it, organizing the things that you're, I mean, this is their business, right? And so they have things, and it's a long list, and it has to do with why do I struggle at work? And then it has tips on how to stay focused at work. And it goes through a whole bunch of them. And they're not little bitty tips. It's not like little glib comments. There's a lot of it. So one of the things they have on here was a biological prime time. And it has to do with you finding out where your energy levels are, where your focus levels are, and where your motivations are. And they track each one of those separately. What you're looking for is like, when do they all come together? When that happens, that's when you need to pounce. Schedule the important stuff for these times. Yeah. And they say, this is how you can figure out what all these kind of moments are. 
you know, and they have for people who do better in the mornings and they have time for people that do better in the evenings. They're not saying it's if you're a night person, just become a morning person. They're like, it doesn't work that way. We all have different clocks that we operate into. So if you're this way, this is the things that you can do to support success and how you organize the tasks and responsibilities you have based on the fact that you're a terrible morning person or you're a terrible late person. You're not a night owl. And they start off with the idea of if you're going to go through this process, you need to reevaluate your work habits. Not saying that they're wrong or they're bad, but they're like step one is to evaluate and reevaluate. Yeah. Objectively look at your work habits. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, that seems pretty reasonable if you're going to say, well, hey, so if I have this issue, how do I want to solve it? They're like, well, let's make sure we understand what the issue is. Is the issue, maybe you're wasting your time on trivial things that burn your brain power and energy out by having an internal debate over what to eat or wear. You're putting your effort towards things that really are not the challenge. They're not the thing that you should be expending bandwidth on. They talk about how some people struggle to leave personal issues out of the office. So they're like trying to manage their emotions and it's keeping them from being able to focus during hours that need that sort of attention. So it goes on and on and on about this. And it says, before deciding on a technique to improve your focus, try to take a long, hard look at your habits and identify which of these concentration killers are the main culprits for your attention deficit and go from there. Figure those things out first and then. Then we'll figure out how to make use of the time that you've identified. And I was like, I'm on board with this. So far, I've drunk all the Kool-Aid that I've read so far on this list. (laughs) And then it just keeps going. It says, reevaluate your work habits. And this is literally what it says. Before you start blaming others for distracting you, like Bob walking up to your desk, you know, and distracting you, making you less productive. So like, think about your work habits and whether they make you productive in the first place. Like, do you force yourself to get up early in the morning just because that's what productivity gurus recommend? Mm-hmm. Only to spend the hours before noon drowsy, moody, and unfocused? Mm-hmm. Do you wake up fully energized only to immediately focus on frivolous tasks that drain your energy until you have no zest left to finish the project that's due tomorrow? Do you work for two hours in the morning and then go for an early lunch just when you fully immersed yourself in work because you want to adjust to your colleague's schedule? They have all these things that just set the table for you to go, all right, well, which one of these am I? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and they got tons of these things here. They, Some of them are, are you a list person? Do you make to-do lists? I keep thinking that I should be a to-do list person. My ADHD makes that almost impossible. That's a really, really hard thing for me to organize and maintain, but I'm constantly writing stuff down mm-hmm. or I'll lose track of it. I'm a post-it notes person or like a scratch paper piece of person. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I've got lots of lists. I'm a list person. I make all kinds of lists. They don't ever get finished is the problem. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to be spending time making the list. I want to spend that time doing the stuff that would be on that list. Yeah, you know, but I find that it is funny because, I mean, I've never been accused of having ADHD, but sometimes if I don't write them down and get them in a place, they lose their stickiness. I mean, I'll forget about it or I'll do something else. I'll get distracted. But if I have a list that I've written things down, I can keep track of it. You know, there's some things that say you should write your list for tomorrow before you go to bed to help clear your brain. Yeah. I've thought about that. That's something I should probably do. I don't. But I do like to write lists. And I actually find I'm more productive. Or (laughs) If I make a list, I'm better at checking it off. Sure. Each of those things than if I don't make a list. Well, I make a list, but it's not a to-do list. It's a deadline list. 
it's a, these are the things that I'm responsible mm. for getting done. Cause if I have 50 of them, I might forget, I might forget when they're due. I might forget, Hey, this one needs to happen for that one because it's going to come up two weeks. That one's not for three weeks. Yeah. So I'll ask you, and even if your answer is yes, I'm still going to explain it. So <laughs> are you familiar with the Eisenhower matrix? No, I don't think so. Okay, so the Eisenhower matrix is a task management tool that helps people organize and prioritize their tasks based on urgency and importance. The simplest way to consider it is, imagine running vertically, you have important and not important. And then to the right, you have urgent and not urgent. So you end up with a urgent important and a not urgent important. And you end up with an urgent not important and a not urgent, not important kind of chart. Yeah, you've got that sort of quad yeah. quadrants. You've got four quadrants that come out of that. Yeah, thing. and what's great, so what you end up with is, this is the do first, important, urgent, do first, not urgent, important, do later, not important, urgent, delegate, not important, not urgent, eliminate. Yeah. And I go, that's about as clear. You know, you can really get into this a little bit more than that, but just as a starting point, Eliminate right there. That's one of the things that can help people kind of understand what they got to do. So if you end up yep. creating this Eisenhower matrix of things that need to be done and kind of help start to sort, it's much better for you to not miss deadline things that matter as opposed to you sure. making sure you're getting stuff that doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not urgent. Yeah. And it's funny though. For me, I think the struggle would be placing those tasks in the proper location. Like understanding what it is, like being able to sign, sign it a role. No, like being able to say, this is not important and not urgent. I think I'd fall in the trap to say, well, if I'm thinking about it, it's not not important. Right. Everything that I'm doing is either important. Now, it may not be urgent, but it's important. Yeah. I feel like I would have a hard time saying, well, that's not important or urgent. Making that self-assessment myself. Everything is some level yeah. of importance yeah. or urgent. I could see the one or the other combination of the two. Yeah. It's never a not urgent and not important. Yeah. That's what I feel like. I'll put a list of this site. And again, it's software. I'm actually thinking I might try it, but there's things in here like you can time box your emails. Yeah. And it says on average, you spend about 13 hours per week on emails and about six hours on meeting. Mm -hmm. That means you spend almost half your work week on routine activities that don't bring your company real profit or value. So with time boxing, they're talking about not checking your email 500 times to get one email. They're like batch it. Like I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And so this goes on and on and on and on and on. There's a ton of stuff here, using calendars, letting people know what your schedule is. They have a tip on short breaks, taking short breaks. It's, it's important, but they also go into to say how best to take short breaks. Not that they just exist, but if you're going to do that, mm -hmm. what makes sense? Go outside and take a walk around the block. Okay. Make yourself a cup of tea, you know, whatever. Do some stretches. You'll feel refreshed. Go for the walk. <laughs> yes. Watch an educational TED video, which is, as a sentence is ridiculous in my mind but as an objective which is really just taking your mind off of a problem like taking a step away from the task at hand because you're losing your focus on it or like everything starts getting a little fuzzy so like just take a step away yeah and then come back to it with some renewed enthusiasm or renewed focus a little bit of yeah. yeah rejuvenation kind of thing yeah i mean there's lots of different time blocking mechanisms i know one of the ones i came across is the pomodoro okay i don't i'm not familiar with that one it's doing things in 25-minute chunks with a five-minute break in between. So essentially, you're working for 50 minutes of every hour. Mm. Do something for 25 minutes, take a five-minute break, and then work 25 minutes again, whether that's going back to the same thing or switching tasks, but taking five minutes to just have a small break 
And then after a couple of hours, you take a 30-minute break. Yeah. Again, it's just time blocking in the chunks. Do something specific for this amount of time. Do something specific for this amount of time. Take a break. That kind of thing. Yeah. There's one that I've been they've been trying out, but I, again, I haven't been that successful with it. And it's like a 3-3-3 three, three, three thing. So it's dedicate three hours to your largest task of the day and then have a list of three other smaller tasks to accomplish that day and then have three maintenance tasks in a day. If that's clean your kitchen or if that's check your email or if that's whatever it is, like this 3-3-3 this three, three, three thing to help you focus on making progress in your day. And do you set that up every day? And that would be one of those things that you set up the day before, the night before I go to bed. I go, here's the nine things. Yeah. Or that the three maintenance tasks could be, it could be, well, clean your kitchen every Thursday or vacuum every Wednesday or that those also maintenance tasks, or it could be, you know, meditate or exercise or whatever, something like that. It doesn't have to be work related, but more mundane everyday tasks. Yeah. There was a word I found when I was doing this research that I'd never heard before. One, it's it's fun to read. I haven't said the word out loud yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh-oh. All right. It's called cyber loafing. <laughs> okay, and what it means... That's interesting. Cyber loafing. And cyber loafing happens when you use the internet or your phone for personal use, like if it's surfing the web or social media or whatever it is, during office hours. And we talked about how the phone is a device for distracting and sure. causing you to lose your focus. That So they say things like, Put your phone in a locked desk drawer or a hard-to-reach place in your bag or put it in another room or leave it in the glove box of your car that's eight stories and a half mile away. Now, I'm not an advocate of that because it is a work tool. My company actually pays for my phone because they're like, when we want you, we want you available. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really have the luxury of saying, my phone's a distraction. They're like, it's not distracting when I'm trying to get a hold of you. You know, it's like I can't classify yeah. that as a distraction. Yeah. But I, I will tell you that of all these tips that these lists have, a lot of it has to do with trying to find something that just works within what you currently do. The example, this happens all the time. I think it was two days this week. I walked in the door with not a single thing on my calendar. And by the end of the day, I had five or six meetings that got scheduled. Like it just shows up. So the idea that I could just say, oh, I'm going to do three hours on this task. I'm going to do these three-minute tasks. Mm-hmm. Every day, something that didn't exist gets brought up, and it's a huge time eater. Yeah. And I haven't figured out now in my new role that I play in this larger office how to curtail that sort of thing because I'm too willing to say yes. They're like, do you have a minute? Yes, I do. I'll do whatever I'm working on. I'll just push that off. Really, I don't know how to not do that yet. Mm-hmm. eventually, hopefully, I'll figure it out. Maybe. In the meantime, I'm going to average 107 steps per week. That's how that is. <laughs> 107,000. 107,000, yes. Not 107. Not 107. <laughs> hey, I think I've gotten 107 steps in just during this recording so far. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Waving my arms around. I look down. I'm like, Andrew and I are looking I at each know. other on a Zoom call while we're talking, and I'm gesticulating with my hands and i looked down at my watch to see what time it was and i had 107 it said you achieved your goal of 249 steps <laughs> it was 107 steps and i was like i haven't gotten out of this chair so i think that's funny yeah okay so obviously this is one of these topics that we've covered some big chunks but the bulk of what this takeaway is, is you're going to have to go to the blog post and you're going to have to get these links and look at the apps that we're talking about. Look at the lists that we've put together that we've 
I will say this. I went to one of the sites I went to, and I read a lot of lists on how to improve your focus. There's a lot of garbage out there that I go, really? That's dumb. And I don't mean the people that wrote it are dumb. But I go, are you kidding me? So in this one, I thought this one's going to be gold because it came from the MIT HR Center for Work Life. I'm thinking, man, that school's full of smart people. This could be a great source, great mm-hmm. resource that we can tap into. Yeah. So in the article that they wrote, it really seemed about reducing stress, if I'm being honest. Mm. But the article is actually titled Tips for Staying Focused During the Workday. So number one was take a walk. And I was like, mm. okay, you know, I just step away. All right, I get that a little bit. Two, take some deep breaths. It says long inhale, extra long exhale. Yeah. And I go, if I'm breathing out more than I'm breathing in, <laughs> I'm going to pass out. That's what's going to happen on that one. Number three, don't look at the news and turn the alerts off on your phone. I was like, okay. Like we've talked about how the phone is a distraction and like alerts, like the things that that bring your attention to using it. Mm-hmm. Number four, keep quotes or poems on your desk that make you feel good. I was like, what? I'm out. I'm out. That, as soon as I hit that one, I'm like, okay, this list is dumb. Number four, keep quotes and poems on your desk that make you feel good. That's going to help you focus. I don't see how quotes and poems on your desk is going to help you focus. But that may work for some people. How's that going to keep you know. focused? I don't know. It's not. Like keep you at your desk. I don't know. You can read it and take a break maybe. One of them, I think, was like, have a cup of green tea. And I was like, what? what? I'm sorry. Yeah. That ain't focus related. That's, <laughs> that is, that's take a step away related to what that is. There's caffeine and green tea, which a couple of lists that I came across said, have a little caffeine. Not a lot, just a little. Yeah. If you need to focus. Okay. So the point of all that is go to the blog post and all these lists and all these, we'll curate it a bit so you don't have to slug through the inspirational quotes and poems list (laughs) right yeah i will say the thing that i find amusing though is that it really seems counterproductive to me is all these apps to help you focus and i'm like but most of the time the phone is listed as the number one distraction yes for focus but here's an app on your phone to help you focus more it just it seems counterintuitive to me i was kind of amused by it yes i mean i'm not saying it doesn't work it just seems strange Yeah. Well, maybe they're saying that if you're going to use your phone and maybe the the battle is if you can find a way to leverage your phone into a tool that focuses your efforts rather than distracts your efforts. Cyber loafing. (laughs) That's a great word. It is a great word. Right. I can't wait to write it. I'm going to type it out. Cyber loafing. (laughs) Cyber loafing. Is it hyphenated? No. It's one word. Oh, just one word. One word. Cyber loafing. But to me, the whole thing, it seems kind of like, uh, oh, you want to lose weight? Here, eat these cheeseburgers. I mean, like, it doesn't. Oh, yeah. You're like, wait. Like the, the app and the phone thing. I'm like, it doesn't, it just seems right. That doesn't, like, make, doesn't sense. make sense. All right. That's a, that's a good segue, almost. Oh, is it? The hamburgers, it's close, but we're going to slight pivot on that. So, <laughs> okay. I thought we'd do a hypothetical question to end the show this week. All right. And we've acknowledged how hard they are. And so, we had one of the things we do in our office. So, it's Saturday morning. We end up having the end of the week happy hour. Me and another guy typically will make cocktails for a handful of folks and they hang out in the break room, whatever. And we just moved into a new office. And this was the end of the second week in the new office. We got a great break room now and there's tables and there's chairs. Like it's different. So we're hosting this happy hour in a different environment. And we had like 40 people show up. I mean, it was a big turnout. Mm -hmm. 
It was a party. It was a party. <laughs> and so one of the principals, Lane, he was on the last show, actually. We carpooled and I drove because I was like, all right, I don't want him to overindulge, you know, and have to drive home. And I'm not going to indulge. So I'm the designated driver. So we got done and got back to the house and his daughter was having a birthday party. And I was like, why don't you come over to my place? And we ended up talking about work for a long time and had a couple of drinks, that sort of thing. So this today's hypothetical question was developed late last night after some cocktails. <laughs> All right. So that'll be interesting. It might not be the best one, but I can tell you at the time it sounded like a great one. I'm sure. Like it's, it's killer. <laughs> All right. All right. I read it this morning. I was like, I don't know about this, but we're going to give it a go. All right. Andrew, ha he has not heard it. Yeah. I, was, I haven't heard it. This is. Because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. This question so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we might start it and be done in 90 seconds. I don't know. We'll just see. So here's the, here's the question. All right. I'm intrigued. I am peaked, man. I am peaked. All right. Here it is. You have a hot dog in place of a finger on one of your hands. It's always there and will constantly reappear should it be removed. So how do you deal with having a hot dog as one of your fingers? And is there ever a scenario where you treat this hot dog as a source of sustenance? Like, would you ever eat this hot dog? <laughs> that was the question. We thought it was genius last night. We thought it was hilarious, too, because then we're starting going, well, how big is the hot dog? Is it finger sized or is it hot dog sized just on your hand? So you have, I mean, I have pretty big hands, but none of my fingers are. I don't have a f hot dog finger. Yeah. I, I don't have bun length finger. <laughs> yeah. Right? I know. And Me neither. Does it matter which finger it is? I think it would, because I don't know that you get to... It's just a hot dog. You know, it's like the movie, everything, everywhere, all the time at once, or whatever that was, and those one people had giant hot dog fingers. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. That doesn't make sense to you then. I know the movie, but I haven't seen it. Okay, so you're right-handed. Yeah. So I go, what if the hot dog is your index finger on your right hand? Like, you can't control it. You just got this floppy hot dog. Yeah. So you like, what are you going to do now? Clicking my mouse and everything is odd. Can't. And yeah. the hot dog's like eight inches long, where your your index finger now is probably a solid three inches, maybe three and a half. Yeah. Right? So so you got one finger that's like <laughs> this big. Yeah. And I'm assuming it has, like, there's no muscles and it. it. doesn't bend or anything. It's just like having a loose hot dog stuck to your hand. Yes. Right? Yes. And so do we get to choose the finger or no? Well, we didn't make that determination. Mm. So I guess you can, because it gets way worse. That'd be terrible. Having a hot dog. Like, let's say it's a, like, what if it's your pinky? Is that better? That's worse. I mean, <laughs> right off of my mind, it's your ring finger on either hand is fine. Because you don't really use that finger very much. Like, if it's your pinky, you can't grip stuff. If it's your index finger, you can't really do much either. I mean, your middle finger, maybe. I mean, that might be an okay spot because that's already the longest one, but it would be, like, super long. <laughs> It'd be like you're always giving people the bird. So I was like, yes. eh, no, but... <laughs> But your ring finger really doesn't, you can do a lot without having that finger, I think. Yeah. Okay. That so, would be where I would put it. All right. So here this is. We've talked about you have bun length hot dog on your hand, which is much bigger than any other finger. Do you bite it off to make it the right size every day? Every day. You, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. Too. Yes. But when does it replenish? You said it comes back, but is it... Ridiculous. Does it just come back immediately? Or is I, this we, like I a, don't know. We get to. Is this like a lizard's tail, and so it takes a while for it to actually grow back to the? I'm gonna right say leg. when you go to sleep and you wake up, you have renewed. It regenerates nightly. Hot dog finger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think well, if that's the case. Every morning you're eating a bite of hot dog, or at least no. cutting it off. 
Yeah, I was like, I would just get up every morning and cut it off. Just gone. No hot dog finger. Oh, you'd... I'd rather have no finger. No finger at all than a hot dog finger. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm just cut it off. Doop, gone. Does it smell like hot dog? I don't know. Uh, who cares? What if you were... You're out boating with your buddies, and you're like, what are you like? I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> that thing I would. A part of that question is if I got to the point where I really wanted the food, I would eat my hot dog finger. <laughs> Think of how great it would be if I was actually stranded somewhere. Every day you get a, a fresh, brand new hot dog. I'd have a hot dog. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, day. like, whatever. I'm, I'm trapped in the wilderness and I can't go anywhere. But you know what? I'm not going to starve to death because I've got a hot dog finger. Okay. To the rescue. Oh. Hot dog finger. <laughs> would you cut it off before you eat it or would you snack on it? <laughs> I don't know. Because it depends. What happens when I cut it off? I'm starting to wonder, does it automatically start to be rotten? Does it have to be attached <laughs> to me to stay fresh? I, I, so that's the case I, that I'm just chewing on it like a little bite every now and then. snacking <laughs> on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you think if you cut it, are you like leaving behind hot dog water, you know, where you go? Yeah, I don't know. Well, the other question would be is if, if I'm in that stranded situation, but I do have matches. Mm, <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to warm up my hot dog finger, like cook it with matches and cook in my finger. So I'm not eating raw hot dog? I just assume in this scenario that it's ready to eat. <laughs> oh, it's always a cooked hot dog? Yeah, you have, it's a cooked hot dog. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, then I'm definitely cutting it off every morning. It's gone. I'm not, I'm not having cooked hot dog on my finger all, or my hand all day. No, it's chopped off every morning. And if it grows back, it grows back. The worst part would be is if it grows back, not if I go to sleep, but if it goes back at midnight every day. So I'm out having drinks. All of a sudden, my hot dog finger starts growing back while I'm out with a group. They're like, I thought you didn't have a finger. Uh, You're no, like, well, this I one's hot dog. hot dog. I <laughs> just cut it off before it grows again, I guess. Go in the bathroom and saw off my finger, my hot dog finger. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, there's so many. We didn't actually discuss whether or not it was cooked. And are you a cannibal if you eat your own hot dog fingers? Does that make you a cannibal? It's a hot dog finger, so no. I, I mean, it's so. part of you. You grew it. Yeah, but it's hot dog. It's not me. Mm. I'm going to go with no. It's not even part of me. Because if I'm cutting it off every morning, I have no attachment to I mean, the finger is gone at that point because it is just a, a loose appendage. It's like a skin tag or something. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm cutting it off. It's gone. No, yeah, definitely no, not even I mean, skin. It's just done. All right, so, okay, so we basically have vetted through this, and we're like, really not that big a problem. In fact, there might be some upside to having a hot dog as a finger. Sure. Yeah. I think so. I wonder if you could, like, refrigerate it. So, like, if you go, look, I'm going to stack up. We're having a barbecue on Friday. <laughs> so, Two weeks from now, I'm just going to start chopping them off. I'm going to need, need the next week. How many hot dogs do I need? Yes. Do we did the part of the like, why is one end cut off on all these? Well, that's just how it goes. Sorry. Why are they all different? You get a little anxious, so you cut it off before it. And I'm assuming it just reappears full size, not that it. What if it never stops growing? So, like, you cut it off, it just instantly starts growing again. So, over 24-hour window, it's going to grow eight inches. Eight inches, constantly growing, and it does eight inches every 24 hours. So, you chop it off in the morning when you wake up. But it's going to be... Yeah, it's only got like eight hours of growth or something, so it's still growing again. Yeah, so it's like by 10 o'clock, you're going to have like a three-quarter inch hot dog finger. Nub. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a hot dog nub. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a finger? Does it have a fingernail or no? It's just No, there's no fingernail. I, there's no, okay, there's no right. chance. There's no, I would not eat a hot dog with a fingernail. <laughs> I know. I know. No I'm just asking. Uh, yeah, no. All right, so there you go. I'm going to say... If it's not constantly growing, we can work around 
and there's actually maybe an upside to having a hot dog finger. That's my takeaway. I could imagine. You'd never starve to death. No. If you did, it was your own fault. <laughs> you just got to get past that part. This is one hot dog a day, man. You'd be great. One hot dog a day. That's what they say. A hot dog a day keeps the doctor away, right? Isn't that the phrase? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think yeah. we're close. All right. I think we've reached a point. Like, we're just going to end on this. <laughs> I think we've reached that point. So... <laughs> Thank you for being with us today for episode 128, Focus. Special thanks to our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. Want to get every new episode automatically downloaded? We're available on all major podcast platforms, so hit that subscribe button and you'll get notified every two weeks when we publish an omnipotent new episode. While you're there, please take a few moments and leave us a five-star hot dog finger rating. To get even more content, head over to lifeofanarchitect.com for blog posts, links, and info about this mouth-watering episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your voice and join the conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.